Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minute hosts talk about one of the greatest Breakfast Club spin-offs of all time, the 1988 John McTiernan-directed movie Die Hard. I'm Mike Carlucci, the Return to Oz Minute. I'm Trini Steele, also a Return to Oz Minute and the Never Ending Minute. Uh, today we are going to talk about Minute 65 of Die Hard. I was kind of wondering where you were going with the Breakfast Club in the notes, so. I, I get it though, I get it. I put it together, I used my context clues. Because yeah. <laughs> Minute 65 starts with John McClane finishing his Call Me. When you're alone, you just call... He doesn't sing. He just says, call me, and then there's a dramatic pause. So this minute starts with him saying, Roy. All come together. Roy is here. The minute ends with Dwayne suggesting that Roy could be a terrorist himself. I'm going to try and restrain myself, but the person who introduced me to Die Hard is no longer capable of saying the name Dwayne. In a normal tone, she must say it as Jack McClane does. <laughs> or John McClane, sorry. Huh. But yeah, this is this is everyone's favorite. Dwayne can just keep saying it with all sorts of inflections. And as long as you sound disgusted and horrified, you're in the right. Um, but what if she had to talk about The Rock? You can't be the, disgusted or horrified rock. by The Rock. Yeah, but Dwayne. he's The Rock. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on a first-name basis with him, so it's never come up. Um, the? I'm trying to think. Usually I have a little, like, ah, the theme of this episode is. And and basically the theme of this episode is, look, everyone, it's Dwayne. Screws followed all the time. The world's an imperfect place. Um, should we run through the minute a little bit chronologically, and you can pull things out where they sound Yeah. All yeah, right. let's let's do that. All right, so we're gonna call him Roy Carl Winslow. Oh, I thought I've started referring to him as Alan by notes, but apparently not yet. Um, advises him to find a safe place to hole up and let the police do their job while someone gently sponges the blood off his forehead. Is, is it PG to say that Carl Winslow is a bad bad butt? He's a bad butt. It's amazing. He's just so <laughs> calm and cool and like. Everything's going to be fine, Roy. We got this. Well, I think he's pulling together all of his, you know, policeman gravitas. Because, yeah, they're wiping blood off his head. But he got the blood on his head kind of because he panicked and, you know, maybe was protecting the Twinkies and driving. he drove his car backwards into a ditch. It's like the least he can do is... Stand there while he gets wiped down. Be like, yeah, you know, all part of the job. Someone who doesn't look calm and collected in this minute is Theo, who's listening into everything. Um, but he overhears McLean tell the cops, they're all yours. So it's implying that this guy on the radio who's got to back with the detonators, I can't say anything normal this minute, I'm so sorry, um, does intend to leave it to the police. That's kind of where we leave him this minute. He's just going to kick back and enjoy this cigarette and relax until it's over. Yeah, I, I like how they, you know, kind of put things on hold. Stop the, he stops the drill, 
You know, he's just listening to the radio. Like, what about the schedule, Theo? He's doing the, pretty well. He's he's halfway there. And the way it's cropped, like I know he's not, but it looks kind of like he's wearing a Santa hat. You see a little bit of red and like a little I, bit of white. I I didn't pick up on that, but I'm. That doesn't mean you're not. Oh, you're right. It is the white band with the red on top. It's one of those movies, one minute at a time, and you're <laughs> hitting pause a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, with his headset, I, he could be podcasting himself. He, he could be. I forgot. I had a note about uh, about Roy. Ooh. So right after, so right after he finishes saying, you know, you can call me Roy. He talks t- with Al Powell. He's, he's almost almost there with a you can call me Al. <laughs> I'm and so. Gra- Graceland yeah. came out in 1986. So they had they had a year or so of wiggle room before the script was was finished, I'm sure. You know, maybe they they thought, "Oh, we'll have him say, "Ah, oh, you can call me Al." Do 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 This is a very musical minute, isn't it? <laughs> this is what happens when we're left to our own devices. We don't have a guest to keep us in check and behave today. <laughs> well, this is one of the lighter minutes. I mean, Die Hard is a it's a fun movie. You know, there, there's some there's some serious times. John McClane has to kill people. He has to maim people. He has to stop people. There's jerks. Terrorists have to shoot rockets. <laughs> yeah. Like, this minute, though, we're just getting an introduction. You know, we're, we're, we, see, we see Al pull through. We see John kind of take a step back. You know, he's going to be fine. He, it looks like his story is just about over as of this minute. Well, we meet, although we don't meet them carefully, so many cops in this minute. When it cuts back to uh, forces are being marshaled, there's a giant truck with Mobile 7 emergency operations on the side. Like, it's a trailer. Like, it is huge. It's a se- I feel very unqualified to say what kind of vehicle it is, but it's a giant truck. If you were a little boy or my father, you'd be very excited to play with the Hess version of it. <laughs> um... But, it, it it rolls in like Optimus Prime. There you complete go. Complete <laughs> with, for like one second, there's a guy with the aircraft, uh, like air traffic controller sticks. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're using to direct this vehicle. Like this is, this is big. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lightsaber directing traffic. Um, Spoiler alert for Die Hard 2 that takes place at an airport. What? Maybe it's an Easter egg. They were setting it up. Oh, God. <laughs> Three-dimensional well, chess here. Uh, speaking of the, well, it's not set decoration and props for this movie, but speaking of the look of this minute, we have all these cops marshalling, we've got people directing traffic, people are running around, and they're all wearing their big, warm, winter cop coats. I'm sure there's an actual word for it, but it's the jacket, it's got the, not actual fur, but it's got the collar, they look very warm. And then I thought, hang on a second. It is, this is a Christmas movie. Yeah. But we're in Los Angeles. So I decided to do a little research on if it actually gets cold enough in LA at Christmas to warrant those warm collars on their jackets. And I found, uh, well, the big result that Google pulls to display at the top in its own little box says the average is 56 
Which, you know what? I know people who live in California, and they would inform me that that is very cold, even though that sounds delightful. Uh, AccuWeather says, historically, the average is 67, and they are predicting 73 for this year. This is in Fahrenheit, obviously. Well, thank goodness. So, I... Maybe this is a New Englander thing talking, but I'm pretty sure, you know, a fleece or a light parka, they're kind of bundled up at the end of this minute. I mean, they're not running around and, you know, they're they're not in Hoth. I, I get it. It's just their jackets. But I don't know. Like, Al just has on his regular outfit. It's all black, so it's very hard to see on my very dirty laptop screen. I'm sorry for that little glimpse into my life. But everyone else who's got on their winter coats looks way too warm for average 67. Yeah, it it is it is interesting. And I, and I know uh, we're going we're gonna to jump slightly here. I know the climate is different northern in California than southern. You know, if you were closer to San Francisco, maybe in like Sunnyvale. <laughs> but Buffy was always, they were always decked out in winter coats and coats, which I, I get was partially for uh, disguising the differences between all the stunt actors, uh, stunt men and women, I'm sure. But, yeah, the people people wear a lot of coats in Southern California on TV, and it just doesn't, doesn't feel right when you think about it. Hmm. Like a jacket versus, yeah, you know, the like a policeman's winter coat. It is familiar to all of us, and it helps set set the tone subconsciously. Do car companies run the ads with the snow in places it doesn't snow during the winter? Or is that something we only see in snow climate? Because they switch to the snow ads. Yes, they do. But if you they don't get snow, wouldn't that be weird? Hmm. I'm trying to think because I have family friends that might as well be cousins that grew up in Southern California. They're... They're technically in a separate town, but it's part of Los Angeles. Yeah. And it has a Spanish name, which does no good, because that's all of them. Um, They distinctly remember driving up north to go skiing one day, and their daughter, who was eight at the time, like, shivering in her giant ski coat, being like, Daddy, can we go back to California? He's like, we're still in California, sweetie. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. And I understand, like... If you live in a warmer climate, 56 probably feels pretty chilly. I'm not saying these people don't need a sweater or, or some form of coat. I, I just think these are to telegraph, hey, it's Christmas time, remember? Um, and I think the decorations inside that we see, like when McLean's walking around, fit better with that. <laughs> um, but my next note is the... Lightsaber directing traffic is red, so you know a bad guy is here. <laughs> you can tell. All right, so Los Angeles. The temperature on December 24th, 1989, which is available on Weather Underground. The low was 47. Oh, oh. why didn't I think oh, to that's look the that average. the actual day? Wait, that's just the average? Oh, no, Okay. So the low was 47, the max was 67, and the average that day was 57. The record low was 33, and the record high set in 1985, just a couple years earlier, was 87. So it could be cool, 
And a low of 47. It is nighttime, so... Yeah. That does make sense that this would be at the coldest. You know, at, at 47, I'm not going out without some sort of coat. So maybe if I would had the thinned blood of living in a warm climate, I would want the extra warmth. Yeah, I mean... If they're they're out on the beat and you know you're driving your car and then you're walking around, like you're, you know that they're they're all gathering around the building around Nakatomi Plaza, like they're not sitting in their car warming up, like you'd want a coat. Mm. It's, you know, it's nighttime. Like it's, we're going to be as close to that forty-seven mm-hmm. as possible, probably. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't think to look up the actual day. You're right. We know what day is. <laughs> um, so we have our new character. Uh, he's immediately a jerk. <laughs> you can tell because he gets out of the car holding up his badge in the air. And if you just watch him, I bet he had to practice that. And I can absolutely picture this guy at home practicing getting out of the car like that. Also, he was sitting in the back so that the other guy looks like his driver. I, it's a jerk move. I, I watched that that clip like eight or nine times in a row because it's so perfect. He's like he gets out of the he gets out of the car in such a smooth motion. He's got his hand in the air with the badge and is just in charge. And like I, that's that's astounding. Like he's got to open the door. You step out. You stand up. He he has it in one fluid motion. Done yet? Practice. So this is. Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. Tiberius. Portrayed. <laughs> Tobias. Ooh. Could be. Uh, portrayed by Paul Gleason, who is why we are having such fun quoting John Hughes movies. <laughs> who was he on Dawson's Creek? Sorry. Things I should have checked before I started the podcast, but it didn't occur to me. Um... Yeah, I I think I mostly know him. He, he's so recognizable, but I don't think Die Hard, because I didn't see it till I was an adult, is the film I would think of immediately when I saw his face. See, that That's interesting. So when I, when I was looking him up for this minute, I was like, oh, I've seen him in everything. But he <laughs> only, and I, I knew he was in The Breakfast Club, but I've only, honestly, I've seen The Breakfast Club once, twice. I mean, it's good, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think I really only remember him from Die Hard. Because I looked at the rest of his credits, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I mean, I, I saw Van Wilder, but that was once. He was, you know, he he's in all this stuff, but I don't think I've seen any of the other things. I think I'm, I really recognize him from Die Hard. And I'm just... You didn't waste nearly as much time watching television as I did. <laughs> Van Wilder was on all the time. Uh, he has 146 actors. I know! Credits. This is insane. Larry Newman. Who was Larry Newman in Dawson's? This is going to drive me insane. Just trying to see if there's anything that jumps out. He was on a lot of TV shows for one, two episodes. So I think that's why he feels so prolific. Yeah. But yeah, his his best known fours that come up on IMDb are Die Hard, The Breakfast Club, and then All My Children and Van Wilder. So it, you're not... You're not wrong. I, that seems like a weird, really condescending thing to say, but I mean it legitimately. <laughs> like, he is someone you recognize immediately, and you think of Die Hard, and I think of The Breakfast Club, and we're both right on board with IMDb's algorithm. Yeah. 
I did like, uh, he appeared on Murder, She Wrote as three different characters. So he, he played Sterling, Ro- Sterling Bowes, Steve Morrison, and potentially a relative, Lieutenant Barney Claymore. Um, <laughs> did you notice that he and I wish I had thought to check who the other guy's name is, but it doesn't come up in this minute. His driver. They have on matching outfits. No. Gray suits, white shirts, red ties. I guess he he gets out ahead of it. I just didn't even notice the other guy was wearing the same thing. Yep, let me find you a lovely... Yeah, second 31 as they get out of the car. Because at first, (laughs) I thought it looked like... Honestly, when you freeze it on second 31, it looks like Dwayne is wearing a pink shirt, which would be a very 80s power play move. And then I realized, no, it's the lighting. It's the way the shadows and film is interacting. But then I was looking really closely at what he's wearing, and I couldn't help noticing that the other guy getting out of the car is dressed exactly the same. And he has the saddest look on his face. He knows he's been shown up by this guy who just got out of the back. Oh. Is it preparing us for uh, two more similar government officials? Mm-hmm. Well, he asks, who's talking to him? Carl Winslow says he is, and his name is Al Powell. Um, I hope we haven't been messing everyone up by referring to him as Carl, given that there is a Carl in this film. (laughs) That would be confusing. I would really like to apologize. Sorry, we... we, um, Al Powell is a very respectful man, I noticed. When Dwayne asks what do these pricks want, he says, well, if you mean the terrorists, and I would just like to, you know, like, I feel like he deserves a slow clap that just builds... And says, yes, that is how you diffuse a... Look, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to call out the fact. <laughs> yeah. And then my last couple notes for this minute are both related to Dwayne, and they're both annoyances. First of all, I I need to fix his tie. It is driving me bananas. <laughs> and it's obviously done on purpose. Like, there's no way that just happened and they started filming. Like, that that clearly was a choice for this character. But, oh, I want to fix it. Um, and then, I, I actually do have a little sympathy of, he walks up, he starts talking to this guy who says, I've been on the walk, on the radio with someone, I don't know who it is, he won't tell us his name, here's what he says is happening. And the thing is, as much as all he's done so far is get out of a car, and we already are like, this guy's a jerk. His whole reaction of like, are you for real? This guy could totally be lying. Why would you believe him? Isn't invalid. The problem is that he never budges from this first impression. Yeah, it's his it's his delivery and it's his attitude about it. Like he, he dismisses Al, all of Al Powell's work and just is like, yeah, you're wrong. Like, this is what we're going to go with. Yeah, which is very frustrating because in my moderate side is showing where I'm just like no I completely understand if you walked into the situation blind you too would be like uh what (laughs) what do you mean someone who won't tell us his name and we have no idea what's going on and we have no other source to confirm or disprove this information like that's legit and he's clearly a pretty brusque man it's the fact that even as evidence mounts against it or I assume as the movie goes on. Am I playing that game? I'm not going to play that game. 
Um, <laughs> the problem is that Dwayne never moves on from, his, oh, well, I've decided that we can't trust this guy. So even after it is proven to me time and time again that we can, I'm still going to not, yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't trust the detective work of the guys on, guys on his beat. No, and that's, that's an important part of that position, so he sucks. But yeah, saying that it ends with, the minute ends with Dwayne suggesting that Roy could be a terrorist himself, that's fair. <laughs> it's, like you said, it's the tone <laughs> with which he suggests it. That makes you need to slap him. So, so what? And then fix his tie. <laughs> so, what do you think Al Powell says when he when he begins? In fact, I think. Well, I was having a little trouble because I think the minute that I got ran over a little bit, so I wasn't sure exactly where to cut it because I saw a little bit more of Al's response than I think I was meant to, according to the timer playing at the bottom of the oh. screen. Um, so that's why I I cut it there. We are proposing. That, or Dwayne is proposing Roy could be one of the bad guys just lying to us. And you can tell, even before he starts to speak from Elle's face, that he's like, I don't think so. I got a pretty good feeling about this. But I, I wasn't sure where exactly, if, if I should go into what he starts to say or not. Because my, my uh, little bar down at the bottom did claim I was at a minute and four seconds. So <laughs> I didn't want to cause any controversy, step on any toes for next week, you know. <laughs> Um, did, did you have a theory that you were working off of? Uh, I was just thinking, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe he's doing his best, uh, CO Bibble. Communication <laughs> failure can mean only one thing. Terrorists are in the building. An invasion. Well, and as we all know, CO Bibble wasn't wrong. It, it holds up. Somehow it holds up. So we're all here because of Star Wars Minute. And Gutterballs, I believe, was the other originator of Movies by Minutes. This is, as far as I know, the first Movies by Minutes that is being done by teams. So when you come back on Monday, it will be a new team. Mike and I will return, but not in two days' time. In the meantime, you should check the two of us out by visiting returntoozminute.com. For listeners who have heard our magic words that we close out every show with, you can also get to our website, weogtiogpiog.com. It's it's just a backdoor domain. Uh, we're on social media at Osminute. We are done, which is amazing to say. <laughs> so you can check out all our episodes for the 1985 Disney film Return to Oz there. And if you say, look, Fruza Bulk is cool and all, but I'm really just here for Bruce Willis, you can find more for Die Hard Minute on Twitter at Die Hard Minute. On Facebook, you can also join the Die Hard with a Podcast Listeners Limo group. And, of course, the main site is dieharddminute.com. And if you want to know more about this Star Wars Minute, because you've never heard of it, but somehow are listening to this podcast, go to moviesbyminutes.com. It has all the Movies by Minutes podcasts there. And there's lots of information on each one. So when you tune in on Monday, not only will you get to see the full Al Powell response. Come back on Monday, Curtis and Jason will be here. The boys of Better Off Dead Minute are taking over for what comes next. Looking forward to it. Are not going to tell me how. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. 
hit your heart on Channel 5.